0: All right. Well, we're just thrilled to have you guys out here. This is awesome seeing all of your faces. Um, it's been a while since I got up and spoke and didn't see a lot of masks covering at least half of your faces. So it just feels really good to see you guys out here this morning. Isn't it nice to gather? Doesn't that feel good? Yeah. I, okay. You're cold. Your voices aren't warmed up yet. That's fine. I've got enough voice for all of us. All right. Well, I want y'all just hang with me here for 25, 30 minutes. And we're going to talk about our risen Savior, Jesus. And this morning, I want to I invite you to come as you are, all the stuff you've experienced, you know, whether it's just this week or this last year, or, or man, just everything you've experienced over the course of your life. Come with just where you are right now today, all right? But I also want to ask you to do this with me we're gonna travel back in time 2000 years and we're gonna hang out with a guy named Peter and, and just kind of look at where he was at on a morning like this 2000 years ago. Now, the obvious thing to talk about on Easter Sunday is Easter Sunday, right? Like some, some ladies get up really early at dark and they go to the grave and they find the stone has been rolled away and the body isn't there. And it sparks this ripple effect among the followers of Jesus. Some are elated. Some are devastated. They just think somebody took his body. Others are excited. A few of them have caught a glimpse of Jesus. And now a little bit of time has passed, maybe even a week. And there have been several people who've had encounters with Jesus, but then he's gone. You know, He's just there briefly and interacts with them, and then he leaves. And so one of the times Jesus showed up, he told his disciples, go back to Galilee and I'm gonna meet you there and we're gonna talk. And so they leave the the area around Jerusalem, they head back to Galilee. And now we find Peter with some of these guys. And I don't know exactly what's stirring in Peter, but I know this, he's had himself a week. He loves Jesus He watches him come rolling into town on Palm Sunday. The crowds are celebrating. He's just thinking, man, we've committed our life to this guy for three years. And the words that he speaks, they they change us. They cut right to the heart. He's changed my life. And then I've watched him bring change in the lives of others. And now here he rides into Jerusalem everybody's celebrating. And then you blink and a week goes by and one of his very own betrays him. And he's put through a a trumped up charges trial in the dead of night, is executed. And then amidst of all of it, Peter in just an utter moment of grief in his fear, in the chaos of the moment, he denies Jesus, the one he loves. He denies him. He watches him give his life on the cross. And now, man, you want to believe he's alive. You want to believe he's risen. I, I, but I don't know, man, are, are those ladies seeing things? Are they just seeing what they want to see? Then he appears in the room with him. Oh my gosh, is this him? Or is, Am I delusional? Like, am I seeing things? Am I just hopeful that this is real? Like, can, can you put yourself there? Can you see the emotions of what Peter must be experiencing? And so, John's gospel records now, he's hanging out in Galilee and he looks at his friends and John 21 verse three says this, Simon Peter said to his friends, there's about six or seven of them, he says, I'm going fishing, (laughs) right? Like this whole thing is just, it's too crazy for me. Everything's falling apart. This is, I don't understand what's going on. I'm going fishing. Man, don't we do that? Like when things are hard and life's it's like, What's the place of comfort? What's the place of familiarity? Where can I just detach from the chaos and the crazy and the pain? And so he says, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, man, we're with you. That's, that's my little Jake interpretation. We will go with you, the scripture says. And they went out and they got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Man, even this isn't working. Even this isn't working. Now, the place where they're fishing is known as the Sea of Galilee. It's got a few different names in the Scriptures. It's the Sea of Galilee. It's really just a a big lake. From north to south, it's 13 miles across. If you were to cross from east to west, it's about seven miles. Um, It's kind of a pear-shaped lake. And these guys knew it well. Peter grew up here. And in fact, a couple of Jesus' other disciples were his business partners. They had a fishing business. And I just have to believe while Peter is out on that lake where he's grown up his whole life and he's fishing, he's out there all night long and nothing is happening, don't you know he had some time to think? And so I want to take you through three significant moments in Peter's life where Jesus met him on that very same sea. The first moment is when Jesus first shows up. Jesus shows up on the scene and there's these crowds hoarding around him. And here's Peter parked right offshore and they're already emptying out their boat from another night where they caught nothing three years earlier. And they're rolling up their nets and cleaning up and you gotta know, man, they're just frustrated. It's just one of those nights where like, we didn't make any money tonight. This is miserable. And then these crowded people show up and they're following this guy. And Jesus walks up to Peter and says, hey, I wanna get in your boat and just stay right out there so the people gathered around can hear me. Because the scripture says the people wanted to hear God's words. They knew that Jesus had something special about him. And so Peter lets him, gets in the boat with him, takes him out from shore and Jesus preaches to the people. And then Luke 5, verse four records this. And when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, that's Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered him, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, we will let down the nets. Think about this. He's just meeting Jesus. He's now heard him speaking, preaching. And there's just something about this guy. Like everything in Peter says, this is crazy, man. We're exhausted. We worked all night. We caught nothing. And dude, you're no fisherman. You're a carpenter from Nazareth. You're nowhere near the water. And Jesus is like, no, go out deep. You're gonna get a catch. And there's something about Jesus that Peter's like, all right, at your word, we'll do it. Verse six, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. It worked. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. That's James and John. And they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. The same water that had produced nothing during optimal fishing conditions Now at the wrong time of day, being guided by a carpenter, catch so much fish, their nets are breaking, and they literally have to give some fish away because their boats are going to sink. There's so much. And Peter sees all this, and it says in verse 8, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Friends, my first question for you this morning is, has Jesus ever interrupted your life? Has he ever stepped into your boat as you're going about your day and minding your own business? Has Jesus ever interrupted your life? Have you ever seen him? Has he put just a little bit of his love on display? Have you had an encounter with him? Sure, maybe you didn't have some massive thousand fish catch. But has Jesus interrupted your life? See, Peter's response is really the only honest response. There's two options. I either got to get away from this guy or I got to repent. When I have an encounter with the Savior of the world, it demands a response. See, Jesus' very presence, it brings us to the core of ourselves. Did you notice Jesus didn't preach a sermon? The fish didn't haul in, and then he says to Peter, now, let me tell you about who I am and what I'm here to do. Jesus stepped into his boat. Peter saw something he'd never seen before, and he said, whoa, who are you? And whoa, I know who I am. I'm in the presence of something special here. Verse 10, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. See friends, often we preach about the good news of Jesus. We focus on something important that we should focus on. We focus on the fact that in our very nature, we're broken and sinful and we need a savior. And that's real. And the power of the cross is that Jesus has done something for us we could never do for ourselves. He has made us right with God. And by his gift alone, man, I can be forgiven of all my sin and all my brokenness. And I can even be healed of the sins of others that have hurt me. Because he teaches me that I can forgive just as I can be forgiven. But see, friends, when Jesus calls us, he's not just calling us to make us repent. He's calling us into something. He's calling us into a whole new life. And he says, you don't have to be afraid of it. In fact, I'm gonna give you more purpose than you've ever known before. That job you have, that place you live, those things that you do, I'm gonna add a whole new meaning and purpose to it. I'm gonna change your very purpose and I'm gonna change your very identity. See, when when Peter met Jesus, he wasn't Peter, he was Simon. And it was Jesus that came into his life and looked at him and said, no, you're the rock. Jesus does that for you and for me. When he interrupts our life, he gives us a whole new identity, and he gives us a whole new purpose. And so here's Peter now, three years later, in that boat again. how did I get here? What's going on? I thought I had a purpose. I thought I had a direction. I thought I was leaving this behind. And now here I am out here again. Why am I out here fishing anyway? What am I gonna do now? See friends, for many of us, we've walked with Jesus for a long time, but we've hit one of these moments. God, what now? I didn't think this was part of the deal. I didn't think I signed up for this. How did I end up here? What now? You wanna believe he's alive? You wanna believe he's resurrected? But I don't see him in my boat at this moment. I'm just kinda out here on my own, and I'm not catching a thing. The second scene. This story is found in Matthew chapter 8. Mark chapter 4, Luke chapter 8. That's just for you note takers out there. This is the story of when Jesus calms the storm. And so these guys now have been following him for a little while. They've watched him work some miracles. Man, they've seen they've seen him do things like cast out demons. I mean, they've seen some unbelievable stuff at this point. And so there's once again a huge crowd that have gathered around Jesus and so he says, "All right, you guys, um we're going we're gonna to leave now. We're going to head to the other side. Same sea, same lake. They're on the Sea of Galilee. We're going to head to the other side and talk to some people over there. And so it's in the evening, and he gets in the boat, and he says, let's go. Let's cross it. And so a great storm arises, and Jesus is sleeping. Now, it's such a great storm. The Scripture records that the boat was swamped with waves and was taking on water, and one of the Gospels specifically says they were in real danger. Now remember, these are seasoned fishermen who know these waters and what the scripture records next is that they were terrified for their lives. This was an unusually horrible storm. In fact, the different gospels each record them saying different things. I almost imagine hearing their different voices in the panic of how is he asleep in the middle of this and we're about to die. And so Some of them are just simply yelling, Master, we're perishing. (laughs) They're just stating the facts. We're perishing, help. Another one yells out, save us, Lord, we are perishing. One of them even says, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Man, how real is that? Anybody ever felt that? Maybe even given voice to it. God, do you even care that I'm perishing right now? Like, where are you? Mark's gospel, chapter four, verse 39. And Jesus awoke and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? See friends, I think often, when we are in the storms of life, we forget that Jesus is right there present with us. We don't realize that he's right there, in the boat because it doesn't seem obvious. He's not, he's not stopping what's happening. He hasn't interrupted it. It, it feels like he's asleep. Like, where is he? But Jesus looks at me and he goes, guys, like I, I'm right here in the boat with you. I'm right here. And I, I'm the kind of God that brings peace in the middle of the storms. I'm the person that has power to change things. You looked out there and saw the storm raging around you, but you forgot who was right here in the boat with you. That's part of what Jesus does, friends. He brings peace and help in the midst of our trouble and despair. Some of us need to remember that this morning. But see, the story doesn't stop there. It's caught me. It It says there was a great calm. And there was. I mean, look how peaceful that is right now. Can you just see it? Imagine if there had been a storm raging moments before and then it was just like this. But there was one place where there was not a great calm. One big exception. The very next verse says, And they were filled with great fear. There was a great calm and a great fear. And they said to one another, who is this? Another version says, what kind of a man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. I think there's something that we've lost in our culture where Jesus has become really familiar And in his familiarity, we've made him really safe. He's safe little Jesus over there in his box. When I need a buddy, when I need a friend, when I need a shoulder to cry on, he's there. I don't want to diminish those things. I absolutely believe Jesus is our friend. The scripture says he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I absolutely believe we have a shoulder to cry on but we make him like safe and simple and we boil him down to this small thing. But Jesus is something more. He's something earth shattering. He carries something with him because he is the son of the living God. And he shows up and he's in a tiny little boat in the middle of a storm where professionals are terrified for their life. And he stands up and at a word, those winds and those waves obey everything he has to say instantaneously. And that caught the disciples' attention. And they went from being afraid of a storm to being afraid of this man. Friends, the scripture talks about having a fear of the Lord, an awe, a reverence, a respect. Who is this God that spoke the world into being? Who's this God that he's, he numbered every hair on my head? He numbers my days, all of them. My good ones when I don't think about him. My bad ones when I'm just upset with him. Yet this God climbs right into our trouble, right into our storm, right in our despair. And on our behalf, He brings his power and he brings peace. Friends, we should reckon with the majesty of Jesus. We should stop every now and be in awe of the fact that the God of the universe wants to get in my boat, that the God of the universe cares about my storm and that he has the power to bring peace in the midst of it. So here's Peter. Everything Jesus said and did was filled with power and it brought peace into the lives of the people he ministered to. And now Peter's sitting there questioning, could that power be enough to really raise him from the dead? Is he really alive? Can he really bring peace out of this chaos? Last story. Y'all know it story of Jesus walking on the water. This is found in Matthew chapter 14 and Mark 6. I think the ducks are even curious about this story. They're like, we kind of walk on water, we float on it and kick our feet around. So in this story, Jesus, after ministering to the crowds, he tells the disciples, y'all go on ahead of me, go across the sea, and I'll get rid of the crowds of people, I'll join you later. Hey guys. Hey guys. <laughs> Dude, check out that guy's hair. Dude, that is the Easter haircut to outdo all Easter haircuts right there. Man, that is glorious. All right. You can't compete with that. (laughs) So Jesus sends the disciples out across the water, and he stays behind to pray. And so it's now late into the evening. It's the middle of the night. In fact, one of the verses says it's the fourth watch of the night, so it's getting really late. Jesus has been praying all night. He decides, guess it's time for me to cross the lake now. And so Mark's gospel, chapter six, verse 47. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and Jesus was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and he meant to pass them by. He's like, y'all are out here just fighting against it. Like you can't even make progress. Everything's against you, and you're just head down, struggling, striving. If I can just get to the other side. Of course, none of us remember any of those moments in our life where I'm just trying to get through it. I'm not thriving, I'm surviving. Head down, everything's pushing against me. Feels like I'm never gonna get that breakthrough, never gonna get to the other side. And Jesus just, he operates on a whole other plane. He's like, I can get to the other side. And he's just cruising right on by. Next verse. But when they saw him walking on the sea, They thought it was a ghost and cried out, no kidding. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart. It is I, do not be afraid. It's me guys, you're all right. And everything's gonna be all right. And we're gonna get to the other side, okay? Don't worry, don't be freaked out. And I love this. Peter doesn't get enough credit for this. Matthew's gospel records this. Matthew 14, 28, and Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. And Jesus said, come on in, boy, the water's fine. Okay, he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. We read the next verse way too fast. He walked on the water. Peter did. Friends, Jesus longs to show us that if we trust him, if we walk with him, that there is a place of rest for us in the midst of the difficulties of this life that we can't possibly imagine. Far too often, we're trusting in our own strength, our own ideas to trudge through, to just barely get by. And Jesus is saying, listen, Man, come to me. There's a whole adventure out here. Don't let these big, these big waves and all the wind scare you. This is an opportunity. One of the things I've been aware of in my own life, and it's been heartbreaking to watch in the lives of others, is how during the course of this last year, our response is just to move into survival mode instead of realizing with Jesus... This is an incredible opportunity. I can see him show up in unbelievable ways to shock and surprise me, to see me through. I can watch him show up in ways where the world is full of people, fearful, doubting, struggling, just hoping to make it through. And Jesus wants to show up and just say, take heart, I'm here. You don't have to be afraid. He invites us to step out of our striving and to trust him. But guys, that takes a leap of faith. And Peter had that leap in him. And he walked on the water. And he walked out there with Jesus. Now I was thinking about this this week. Um, my wife's getting ready to, to fly this week. We haven't been to an airport in well over a year. Some of you may have flown, but I bet many of us haven't even been near an airport. And, you know, I was, just, I was thinking about how in our culture we are so against struggle. Like everything about the American way of life is how do I make things more comfortable and easier? And I think that we have forgotten that struggle and difficulty can be really good for us and it can be really rewarding. Like think about us as Americans. When I go to an airport yeah, there's some steps right here, but there's these ones right here, and they move for me. And my only job is don't trip and look like an idiot in front of everybody. I just, I just got to stick the landing, you know? And then if that wasn't bad enough, you get up to the top of the escalator, and you look, and you're like, oh, it was so hard riding up that. Now, look at this long hallway. But wait, there's this conveyor belt that will usher me through this hallway that I can just stand on and it'll give me a ride to this gate where I'll then get on a plane and fly. We create all of these ways to avoid difficulty and struggle and yet every now and then we remember there's some mountains worth climbing. There's some pretty mountains right over that way. And with a little bit of struggle and a little bit of a heavy pack and maybe some sweat along the way, it can be worth it. Because when I climb up to the top of that mountain, whoa, look at that view. And look what I had in me. I didn't even realize I had in me. See, friends, often I think we have mistaken storms of life and trying seasons, and we think God has abandoned us. When in fact, he's just teaching us how to walk on water. He's looking to see if we'll have a little faith in him. That he's right there saying, take heart, trust me, don't be afraid. And we do what Peter did. Verse 30, when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus scoffed at him and said, really, bro? That's not what Jesus said, just to be clear. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Immediately, he saved him. He stretched out his hand and helped him up. Friends, don't be afraid to fail with Jesus. It's all right. He's really good at saving us. Let's step out in faith, even if we sink sometimes. Even if we begin to look around and go, I don't know about this. He's there and he rescues us. And so here's Peter all night on this water, remembering these moments, remembering these events. I just, I got to believe that. I know I would be thinking about all those times out there with Jesus. And don't you know, he's got to be thinking like, how cool would it be if he just walked out here again on this water right now? Or maybe he's thinking, why do I doubt? Why did I deny him? What if he really is risen? He's got to be so disappointed in me, so angry with me. He looked right at me when I denied him the third time. Why do I doubt? Why do I struggle? Man, I would love to just be able to run to him again. And just as day was breaking... Jesus stood on the shore. After this long night, no fish, lots of thoughts, maybe some regret, there's Jesus just at daybreak standing on the shore. Can you see it? Can you see him standing there looking out at Peter, loving him? ready to surprise him, ready for Peter to have his encounter with resurrection life. But the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? I mean, you know, when you're a fisherman and somebody's calling you out when you haven't caught anything, and then they throw in children. (laughs) As someone who is a terrible fisherman, this is normal for me. I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't catch fish. But these guys were pros, and he just goes, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no, no comeback, nothing, just no, we don't. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And somebody's light bulb went off. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. Don't you love that? The same sea where he first called them. Now in their moment of doubt and despair, he shows up again and he reminds them of who he is. He doesn't just yell from the shore, it's me, Jesus. He shows off. He gives them another catch and they instantly know it's him. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, pay attention to this, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. Now, I cannot prove this. This is Jake's opinion, that's all. I think Peter thought he was gonna get to walk on water because Anybody I've ever met, when they're getting ready to jump in the water, they take some clothes off. But he's already been out there working and sweating, and he puts his clothes back on. And this phrase, he threw himself to the the sea, it just, it means abandonment. It means you just went for it. And I just think he's sitting out there, he just remembered the catch of fish, and he's been thinking about Jesus all night, and he's like, I'm going to him. And he just, he just leaps. He goes for it. And he doesn't walk on water. <laughs> he sinks into the ocean. That's all right. He's only 100 yards offshore. It's a bit of a swim with all your clothes on. But he just goes, I got to get to Jesus. And he swims to him. He doesn't care what everybody else thinks, what it looks like. He knows that's his Savior. And he swims to Jesus. And when they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Friends, I pray that you can hear Jesus' invitation this morning. I don't know if the words I've said make any sense, if they connect together well or not, but I know this the same Jesus that climbed into Peter's boat, the same Jesus that calmed the storm and walked on water, the same Jesus that showed up with resurrection life to forgive one of his closest friends who had denied him as he was being betrayed to be killed, that same Jesus loves you. That same Jesus is available to you. And you don't even have to swim 100 yards of water this morning to get to him. He stands by the shore and he has life to offer. He has food to offer. He has the very word of God. He is the living word of God. He's the savior and he's worth making your Lord. So friends, as Crystal and Alex come, we're gonna sing one last song together this morning before we go. And I just I want to invite y'all to respond. I don't know what that that needs to look like for you. Um you can respond right where you're at. You can sing out and worship him. You can talk to him, you can do some business with him. Maybe you're maybe you're like Peter after he's walked with the Lord for a while, and you feel like you've been in a storm for a bit, or you feel like you're just fighting it man you're just trying to survive Jesus loves you and he sees you and he is present with resurrection life to show up with all of his power and majesty and to bring peace into whatever storm you're in he's present for you maybe you're like Peter at the beginning of the story and you've just been minding your own business but you hear Jesus invitation to come and follow him Friends, you can give your life to Jesus this morning. You can experience resurrection power that makes you new. New life, new identity, renewed purpose, peace with God. And so during the course of this next song, I'm gonna be right up here. If you'd like to talk to somebody, if you'd like somebody to pray with you, whether you're meeting Jesus for the first time or you are just weary and worn down and you're just like, hey, pastor, I just need somebody to pray with me. I'm present for that. I'd love to pray with you this morning. The only sea you have to worry about is walking through, maybe not a sea of people, maybe a river of people, to come down here. No one's gonna look at you sideways or judge you. If anything, we'll be celebrating that somebody is coming to experience the love and grace of Jesus Christ. So Lord, We love you. Jesus, we thank you that that you are the risen Savior. And Lord, we acknowledge it takes a leap of faith to believe that and act on it. But Jesus, we choose to believe that you are real and that you are alive and you are present. And so Lord, we come to you. We come to you as your followers to simply worship you and say thank you. God, we come to you weary, beat up, worn down, looking for peace and healing, renewed energy. Jesus, we come to you letting you interrupt our lives to say yes to you, maybe for the first time. Jesus, we hear your invitation to come this Easter morning and receive new life from you.